Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy to be won. Open your Bibles this morning, if you would. Again to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read some additional verses. I'm going to pick up where Mark left off. Mark Bryson left off, not Mark the author here. Although I guess we could say where Mark the author left off as well because we're going to pick up what he continued to read to write. But Mark 8, and look down, if you would, in verse 10. I didn't want to have us read the entire section this morning. Begin with, just wanted to give you a piece, because I'm going to focus less on the feeding of the 4,000 and more on what happened afterwards. I'll explain why in just a moment. But I did want you to understand what was taking place in the context as we've been going verse by verse through this wonderful book of the Gospel of Mark. And so, therefore, Mark 8, and beginning in verse 10. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why does his generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you that there shall be no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship again, departed into the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, or why are you trying to figure this out? Because you have no bread. Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. And having ears, hear ye not. And do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among the four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not yet understand? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand what you're trying to say to us today, what your word has been saying for 2,000 years since this was written. And Father, I pray that you would help us to understand exactly what you have for us as we have come to seek you today. Help us, be with us, strengthen us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, chapter 8 opens with a familiar scene. And by familiar, I mean the Lord performing a miracle. As the Gospel of Mark tells the most miracles of any of the Gospels. Uh, And so therefore we see him doing yet another miracle. It's also familiar... Because we see that he's doing a miracle of feeding thousands, feeding a throng of people that were following him or who had come 
to hear him teach, to hear him preach. And so therefore, it was a familiar miracle, but it was also an amazing miracle. Yes, it was just as amazing as, as the other miracles that he had done. But it was one that we have seen before. Yes, it is. So why then does God share in this place this miracle so close and so similar to the same miracle of feeding of thousands that we saw just two chapters before? That's my question when I'm reading this. I'm like, so we shared last week, in the last few weeks, about how why does God do a miracle or why are we being told about the particular miracles that we're told about? And we told that one of the reasons, especially for the last one, last week in chapter 7, the healing of the deaf and the mute was it was a sign that he was the Messiah. And so therefore it's interesting that we see the Pharisees asking for a sign or trying to tempt him into giving another sign saying that he's the Messiah. But why the redundancy, if you will, in the miracles? And why the fact that when we know, because the book of John tells us, that there are many things that Jesus did, many miracles, many works, many wonderful things that Jesus did that we don't have written down because they would fill up all the books or the world itself could not contain the books if they were written down, but also it wasn't intended for us to know. It wasn't necessary for us to know those things. So why then a second feeding of the thousands, if you will? That's what I kind of want to talk in. So therefore, I've entitled this message, The Need for a Reminder. And I think the answer as we listen to this is, we're going to sh- I'm going to share with you what the Lord knows is that we sometimes, as the apostles did, as the listeners and the viewers and the readers do of this miracle, we need sometimes just a plain, simple reminder of what God can do. And reminder of what God is trying to teach us. A simple reminder. Now, there are some who want to say, well, this is proof that there's errors in the Bible because we're seeing this miracle simply being told again, but with some discrepancies. And so I want to make sure you understand that, number one, Mark told about both the feedings of the thousands. One, the feeding of the 5,000, as we call it. One, the feeding of the 4,000, as we read about it here. They are two different events. There are some that want to say, well, it was simply a cross-up, and, and therefore it's an error. No, it's not. It's not. And I want to explain to you how we know that it's not. Now, in Mark 6, we read about what we call the feeding of the 5,000, which I have told you I call the feeding of the 22,500. If I take the 5,000 men and I add in a, 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 an average number of them were married, and an average number of those married had an average number of children, we come to 22,500, just so that you understand it was more than just 5,000 people that were there. And the similar situation here, we had the feeding of the the 4,000, but there were also women and children that were there. Now, number one, we see the difference in the number, 5,000 and 4,000. That sets it apart. And you say, well, maybe they got the numbers wrong. Well, understand that the feeding of the 5,000 was told about in all four Gospels. 
The feeding of the 4,000 is only told about in Matthew and in Mark. So both Matthew and Mark apparently recorded the same miracle twice. No. And with errors? No. It was two different events. John and Luke just didn't, God didn't have them share it in their gospel. But also the fact that in this miracle of 5,000 and 4,000, we also see a difference in five loaves and two fish in the feeding of the 5,000. We see seven loaves and some fish in the feeding of the 4,000. But here's the big difference. You say, well, maybe again, maybe they were just miscounting and it's just an error. This miracle takes place in a completely different area with completely different people than took place in the feeding of the 5,000. In, John, or in, in Mark 6, they are in the region of Israel, the promised land, and it's mostly Jews that are there for the feeding of the 5,000. Now he's in the area of Decapolis, and it's mostly non-Jews, Gentiles, that are being fed. And so once again, we see the compassion of the Lord as he's opening up and explaining that the gospel is not just for the Jews. It's for everybody. And it's not just his own people, people that look like him, talk like him, walk like him, that he's ministering to, but it's also the rest of the world that he's ministering to, just as we must minister, not just the people who look like us, talk like us, walk like us, and act like us, but the rest of the world, not just people inside the walls, not just people the same color, not just people the same language, not just people the same nationality, but everybody else as well. God, Jesus had compassion. We are to have compassion. There are two different groups of people. But also you need to see, and this is one of the areas where we don't see this in the original or in the English but if you study in the original language, you find out that there's another significant difference. In the feeding of the 5,000, they took up 12 baskets of food after everybody had eaten all they could eat. They took up 12 baskets of food. There were 12 apostles, and so therefore you can make the connection that there was a basket of food even left over for them. And we've shared from that chapter about how God will always have enough for you. No matter how much you minister, no matter how much you give, no matter how much you sacrifice, there will always be enough left over for you. But here we see there's seven baskets. And in theory, there's still 12 apostles. Now, there were other followers that wasn't just the apostles that were there, but there's seven. You say, well, wait a minute, what's the lesson here? The lesson here is in a, little, a little bit different because the word basket is different in the original language. In the Greek, in the Greek over in Mark chapter 6, and by the way, also in Matthew and Luke and John, the Greek word for basket is kofinos. You say, well, what does that matter to me? Kofinos meant like an offering basket, a wicker basket, a small basket. This morning I saw them taking up the offering, I noticed that we were missing one kofinos. We only had one Kofinos, and we didn't have one for, uh, uh, for Freddie to take one up. So, by the way, Jerry, did you check his pockets after he took that? Okay, I'm just making sure. Okay, all right. I saw him going around. It's going like this, and people sticking money in there. So, I didn't. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh, I think it was just his hand. But anyway, uh, we were missing one Kofinos. All right? A small basket. That's not wicker, but that's the idea. The word here in 
Mark 6, and also over in Matthew, is the word spurious. And the word spurious would be the idea of your yard-sized trash can that you put up by the street. Or it was a large basket that a person could hide in. That's the idea of that word. And so therefore, it wasn't just 12 small baskets. It was seven giant baskets of food left over. And so therefore, the point is, it was two separate miracles. Don't let anybody confuse you. Don't get, don't get tripped up. There were differences, perhaps a different message or lesson that Jesus was teaching. Perhaps it was a different emphasis in the miracle itself that God was doing. But there's a lot that is similar and some of the lessons are the same. And sometimes God does the same things in our lives for the purpose of reminding us. Reminding us. And so that's what I want you to see. The second crowd feeding is so similar and so close to the first. There has to be a reason. It's because he was reminding them. And we know that because as we read on, he says, don't you remember? Do you not remember? And so there, do you not remember? Do you not understand? Uh, do you not, verse 18, having eyes see you not and having ears hear you not and do you not remember when I break the five loaves? Not that long ago, my friends, I did a similar miracle. Now, don't get the idea. He's beating them up. He's just like, come on, folks. We've been through this, and I want you to see it. I want you to see it clearly. Don't forget don't forget, remember, and there's things that God does as we read through God's word, as God works in our lives. We say, God, why am I going through this again? Well, one of the main reasons is just to remind you, just remind you of God's power, just remind you that he's God, that he's done this very miracle before and he can do it again, and the different miracles or the different things or the different lessons in your life that he's teaching you. Listen, I'm God. I'm in control. I can do it. I've done it once. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I've done it for them. I can do it for you. Don't panic. Don't get anxious. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't run around trying to figure it all out. Just understand what I'm trying to show you and teach you that I am God and have power and there is nothing that I cannot do. But let me remind you, in case you've forgotten, in case you missed it, in case you didn't see it, that's the reason of this miracle I believe with all my heart. Yes, it was compassion for the Gentiles and that's part of it. Is it wasn't, as we saw now again, with the woman who had the child who was demon possessed at the end of chapter in the middle of chapter seven, as we saw with the man who was deaf and mute at the end of chapter seven, he went out of the coasts of Israel into the Gentile region and was ministering to people that were not the same as him. So that's part of this. I fed the thousands that were Jews. I'm going to feed the thousands that are Gentiles. But it's also a reminder for you and for me that God has power and he's not limited in his power. I love the verse going back in my Bible reading as we've been reading through our chronological reading where God says, when Moses says, how are you going to feed all these people in the wilderness? And God says, is my arm short? Is my power limited? 
Watch and see what I will do. And then he rains down manna and he rains down quails for all the people to eat. Listen, there is nothing that God cannot do in your life. There is nobody that he cannot save. There is no disease that he cannot heal. There is no miracle that he cannot do. But as we talked about last week, he didn't come just to feed people and do miracles and heal diseases. He came to heal the greatest disease, the disease of sin. And that's what he came to do, to show that he can, to show that we need him, to show that we should turn to him, we can trust him, and trust his ways. But... Part of that reminder is a reminder not to be like the Pharisees. Because here's what he says in verse uh, 10 and 11. So straightway they get into a ship and they come to a place and the Pharisees show up. Now the Pharisees came to where he was. They had been following him. They had seen the miracles he was doing. They had seen the feeding of the 5,000, the 4,000. And so their question is... Not, this is amazing. How are you doing this? Tell us more about who you are. But hey, we want to trick you up. We want to trip you up. Do some special thing just for us, just so we can do that. It wasn't, hey, that was amazing. And sometimes we are like the Pharisees and we're like, well, that didn't happen for me. Or that didn't work out that way for me. Or God didn't provide that miracle for me. God, you need to show up and show, show me who you are. Because I've, I, I've got my own agenda. In mind, the Pharisees ignored the signs they were giving and wanted a special sign for them because what had been done was not good enough for them. Why? Because it didn't meet their criteria or because it didn't meet their agenda or because it wasn't done for them. Don't be like the Pharisees. We need to be reminded all the time because it's easy for us, especially the church folks, to be like Pharisees. And say, well, this is how it's been done. This is how we're going to do it. I don't care what God says. That, listen, we've done this way all our lives. We, this is the way it's got to be done. This is the way I grew up doing it. This is the way my mama did it. This is the way my daddy did it. And this is the way we're going to do it. And God came up to the Pharisees and said, you've been doing it this way for this many years. And you've not helped anybody. So now we're going to do it my way. And so, we, and again, sometimes what we're doing is God's way, and that's fine, and that's good. We should come to church. We should have good habits. We should leave, lead holy lives. We should give offerings. We should sing praises. We should have certain traditions that are important to us, as long as we're not, as we shared before, putting those over or equaling them to God. But let's move on. Don't be like the Pharisees because the Pharisees were rejecting what God was doing. There are some people that can see God work in all kinds of ways, have God do all kinds of things, and they still want to say, well, you got to prove to me that God is, exists. Or you got to prove to me that Jesus is who you say he is. Listen, my friend, whether you're here today or you're watching online, understand this. If the evidence that you've been giving... Now listen, we're saved by faith, all right? Ultimately, it's by faith. That doesn't mean we don't have proofs, we don't have evidence, we don't have information, we don't have facts about who Jesus was. 
But if we, given the evidence of creation, and we, given the evidence of God's word and historical events, and God working in our lives and doing things is not enough evidence for you, then maybe it's no evidence will ever be enough for you. I wrote it down this way. If the evidence that we have to convince us is not evidence enough, then it is evident that no amount of evidence will ever convince you because you don't want to be convinced because you don't want to be convinced. doesn't matter how much evidence you have. I can sit in school and you can show me all over and over and over again that two and two is four and some children will be like, nope, two and two is five. Why? Because that's the answer I wrote in my test and I want it to be right. And I don't care what you say, it's not, you're not going to convince me that two and two is four. No, in that case, you just will not be convinced. The evidence that we have is enough to convince us. God gives us creation. God gives us signs. But God has said, listen, if you're not going to believe the signs I've given, what makes you think you're going to believe other signs? And by the way, let me just go back to a different place where Lazarus and the rich man, which we've not gotten to in Mark, but I'm just simply saying, most of you know the story of Lazarus and the rich man, and Lazarus and the rich man die, and the rich man lifts up his eyes, and he's in torments, and he says, send Lazarus back that he may tell. And Abraham says, if the, if your family, if your friends won't listen to the prophets who are already alive, then even if I were to raise Lazarus back up and send him back out, they won't believe him either. Why? Because they refuse to be convinced. And I hope that's not you. And I hope that that's not me. But we need to be reminded because sometimes we refuse to see who it is that is trying to do the work in our life, who it is that's doing the miracles in our life, and who it is that is trying to teach us a lesson as he was doing here. Number two thing I want you to see as far as reason we need to be reminded, because sometimes we miss the point the first time. We simply miss the point the first time. Now, maybe we missed it because we're being, a, we're being pharisaical. Is that a word? Be, we're being a Pharisee, and we refuse to see. But sometimes... We simply miss the point. Now, what I'm about to tell you, please don't take this the wrong way. I posted something on Facebook uh, this week when I hurt my back. And I don't often, uh, my, my, my wife's kids are going to laugh at this because I get dramatic sometimes at home. But I don't really like to talk about my infirmities or my pains a whole lot. I, I just, I'd rather just keep on going and not worry about it. Now, I may, you know, whine to Tracy a little bit, get a little attention, get a little sympathy, but for the most part, I don't go around talking about how something hurts or something that happened to me or somebody did something that upset me. I don't go around talking about that. But I posted something on Facebook about my back being hurt, and many people, and if you are one of them, please don't take this the wrong way, because I appreciate you showing some sympathy and saying, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm praying for you. I want you to pray for me and my back. But when I posted the post, it wasn't so much about my back hurting. It was simply about the fact that God's in control. And the fact that my, again, what happened was, is how God worked out even the doctor for me to go see, but also the fact that my son, when I was concerned about the fact that I've got numbness running down my leg and, and my back acting the way it is, and, and that numbness is spreading, and I've got to go see this doctor, and I hope that he can help me and my son. Now listen, it's a wonderful thing. It was a wonderful thing what my son did, and I was. this is why I was so moved, and this is why I shared it in part, is because here I am, usually the, the dad, right? I'm the preacher, 
I'm the one that's supposed to be spiritual. I'm the one that's supposed to be godly. And I'm going to teach my children lessons. And my son said, Dad, God's got this. It's going to be okay. It's go, go see the doctor. He's, God's going to use that to get you straightened out. And he said, in the meantime, here's a song that our friend Andrew had on his playlist while he was in the hospital before he died. And I'm telling you, I listened to the song, and one of these days, either I or Landon or somebody's going to sing this song here in church because it was so, so wonderful. And it wasn't about having your back healed. It was about the fact that Jesus is my treasure. And when your eyes are on that, nothing else matters, that Jesus is what I want. and I want my back fixed. No, Jesus is what I want, and whatever Jesus' will is, that's what I want. But the song was wonderful. But many people commented, I'm praying for you. I'm grateful for that. Many people said, oh, I heard you know, back pain is terrible. I, I, I appreciate the empathy and the sympathy for that. But what I really wanted you to see was the song that I posted along with it. And, not, and sometimes we miss, not that we miss the whole point, but we miss what I was trying to, what I was trying to get across was the song. And the disciples missed the point of what Jesus was trying to get across. They got some of the other points, perhaps. And sometimes we get some of the other points, and that's good too. But sometimes we miss the main point that Jesus is trying to get across. And my two were, I said something about the fact that there was tears of pain because I was hurting. There was tears of anxiety because I was worried. But there was also tears of joy because here's my son now Stepping into a role where he's saying to me, Dad, don't worry, I'm praying for you. Dad, don't worry for me, here's something to encourage you in the Lord. And that thrilled my heart. At the same time, I had sorrow because I had a friend that passed away. Passed away and that memory flooded back over me of my friend Andrew. But then he shared the whole playlist with me. And it was just songs about his goodness and songs about his love. And, song, and I forgot for at least that hour or so until I went back to the doctor, all about my pain because I was focused on listening to these songs. And sometimes we have things happening in our life and God does something and he doesn't want us to focus on these other areas but focus on the lesson that he wants us to see. And the lesson was, here's the point, I'm enough for you. But they missed it. They missed it. Why? Because maybe sometimes we forget what God can do. He's done it before, and we forget about it. I'll relate this to how I'm going back reading through the Bible, and I'm picking up on stories that I'd forgotten about, or things that people did that I had forgotten about. And it's amazing to me. when You're about to read. If you're reading this along with me, and I hope that you are, but in Joshua, and then as you get into Judges, now not so much this week, but next week, you're going to read some things in the last part of Judges, that are going to open your eyes to be like, I don't remember reading that, because I'll be honest, growing up in church all my life, I'm reading about things that I don't remember pe preachers preaching about. But they're excellent lessons. And when you look at it, and you hear the phrase over and over and over again, they did not have a king, and so therefore every man did what seemed good in his own eyes to do. That was the problem. And you take the book of Judges, and you take these last few chapters in Judges, 
and you find a picture of society today where we have no real leadership. We do have a king. It's called Jesus Christ, but we don't want to acknowledge that, and so therefore everybody's doing what seems good in their own eyes. And when you read the last part of Judges in particular, I think you will see the parallels to today. And it's amazing if you dive in and look. But my point is this. Sometimes we miss or we've forgotten what God is trying or what God can do, what he's already done. And we, we, we say, well, he's done that for them, but we don't see the connection to the fact that therefore he can meet every need that we have. What's the answer? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things, your food, your clothes, your care, your protection, will all be taken care of if we seek him first. Maybe we don't see what God wanted us to see. So where are you seeing this at, preacher? I see this where Jesus says to them, have you forgotten? Did you miss it? Verse 17, Jesus, they're sitting there, understand what they're doing. And I don't have much time, and I had said earlier, I'm going to get done early, and I am. But they were on the boat, and they have one loaf of bread. Now, how many are on the boat? We don't know exactly, but there were. let's just go with 12 plus Jesus, because there was 12 disciples. May have been more than that, may have been fewer than that. There were 12 disciples, but let's say there's 13 people in the boat, and they've got one loaf of bread. And you say, that's a problem. Not for the person who can feed the 5,000 and the 4,000. They'd forgotten already. That's why he did the miracle the second time. And he's saying, you've forgotten already again. Why are you fighting or worrying about where we're going to get bread with when I can multiply bread out of... If I can take five loaves and feed 20-some thousand people or four loaves and feed 15,000-some people, how many ever it was, don't you think I can take one loaf and feed 12 people or 13 people? We forget. We don't see the connection in our lives. You say, well, I'm not hungry. That's not the problem. Although some of you are starting to say it's getting close to noon, preacher. I'm starting to get hungry. My point is this. God is going to take care of you. Whatever your need is. Whatever your problem is, whatever the health infirmity is, whatever the family friction is, God can take care of it. And maybe we don't see it, or maybe we don't we, we, we missed it because we didn't want to see it. He said, or we didn't see it. He's saying to them, are, 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 listen, verse 17. Why are you reasoning? Because you have no bread. Perceive ye not, you neither understand. Have you not, has your heart been hardened? In other words, like the Pharisees, your heart is hardened. But having eyes, you're not seeing. So we don't see what he's doing. Having ears, we're not hearing what he's trying to tell us. And we don't remember. We're missing it because we're so busy focused on something else other than what he wants for us. What he's trying to communicate to us. We sometimes miss the point of the message or the point, the point of, the, of the sermon or the point of the passage because well, our brains are over. And, and, and again, I understand it. It's, it's easy to get distracted. You add a little thing like back pain, it's easy to get distracted. You add a little thing, I say little thing, it's not a little thing, but someone being sick or someone being a disease or some other problem or somebody made you mad, it's easy to get distracted. 
But if we get our eyes back on Jesus and on what he's trying to show us, there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to worry. There's no reason to miss it. And if we miss it, that's why he's doing it again. God, why am I have to go through this a second time, a third time? You know, Tracy's had kidney stones more than me. She's had I don't know how many kidney stones. And I can imagine in her mind, God, why am I have to go through this again? And I don't know the answer. But God's saying, I want to show you something else again. Now, whether it's because she missed it the first time, I don't think that's it. I think it's just something I'm going to show you again. And again, I want you to rely on me, trust in me, or my kidney stone, or a back, or a headache, or, a, or whatever your ache or pain may be. Trust me again. And sometimes I'm not going to take it away, like Paul. I'm not going to remove the thorn in your flesh, Paul. I just want you to understand I'm enough for you. You know, so maybe we don't see what God's doing. Maybe we don't hear what God wants us to hear because we're looking elsewhere. We've got our own agenda. Or maybe it's just because we don't want to believe. I hope that's not you and me. I hope that's not anybody that's listening or watching today. But there are those that miss it because they just don't want to believe it. Again, going back to the Pharisees. It doesn't meet their agenda. The, the Pharisees wanted to be in power. The Pharisees thought it had to be done a certain way. The Pharisees thought, well, uh, if he comes in, it's going to change everything. If we believe in him, it's going to change everything. And it will. You don't change everything. He changes you, and it will change everything. But there's some people that don't want that. I like things the way they are. And so we miss the message, and we forget that he is God. And so he shows us once again. I'm going to lead you across the waters once again. I'm going to lead you through the storm once again. I'm going to protect you from the situation once again. Just to show you who I am. That there is no miracle that God cannot do. There is no physical thing that God cannot provide. There is no need. Spiritual, emotional, mental, whatever it is. That God cannot meet oh my friends don't miss what God is trying to do sometimes we need to be reminded and that's okay we're human God understands that and God will show us time and time again with a patient hand with a patient heart with a compassionate love okay you missed it or okay you've forgotten or okay you didn't see what I was trying to show you so let me show you again I'm God I've got this Whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with, personally, and I'll make my point in this way. This right now is the fastest I've moved in three or four days. Coming down those steps. I may go back to hurting this afternoon. But I prayed this morning, God, just help me get through the message. I'm so thankful for Mark that did the lesson for me so I didn't have to try to get through two teaching times because, because it's, it's, it's distracting and it hurts and I have to move a little bit more gingerly. But I got preaching and forgot all about it. I said, God, just help me get through it. And he has. And whatever it is that you have to get through or conquer or overcome, he's the one that will do it if you will just turn to him. Does that mean that if I had preached and hurt the entire time that God's not God? No. No. 
Does that mean if he doesn't answer your prayer request exactly the way you wanted him to, that he's not God? No. If I'd had pain the entire time I was preaching, because I did when I first started. You may have seen me reach up and, okay, that turned the wrong way. But after that, I was okay. Two minutes after I'm done, I may be walking around like my dad with a cane. I don't know. But I know this. God is in control. God can meet your need. And when you forget, God can remind you. And when you need to have your eyes opened a little bit wider, God can do it. And when you need to have your ears cleaned out just a little bit, God can do it. Just don't be a Pharisee. Don't sit there and harden your heart and say, well, God didn't do it the way I wanted and the timing that I wanted and the way I wanted and just the way I wanted, and so therefore I'm not going to believe. But just trust him. Call on him. It will change your life. It will change the way you live. It will change your eternity if you've not already called on him to do that. Let's pray. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.